And though you mind be soft through years of smacky booze, and though you cannot speak nor raise a single synapse, still you know for sure that they are wankers. When after years of gravel, sand and compost of the throat, your voice returns and find you singing, tuneful, top, cock up your beaver, round mouth, rudy lungful, then you pause mid-breath and see the faces of a funeral congregation, and they gawk. Cost is your mother's coffin that you've been serenading. And when you pause to smile at friendly face through window, and he glimpse in glass, full horror of all fizz, all goonish flaps of gummy dribble just like cheesy hawking. Then welcome. Mm. Our trang um sabers in blue jam. Stupid thing. Oh, I know that. Writing, but man. you've got to understand, it was nothing. Oh, fuck off, Simon. Oh, it's you I love. I bet you said the same to her. I don't give a fuck about her. Oh, yeah, you expect me to believe that? Look, it was nothing. It meant nothing. Nothing? Yeah, I... it was It was just a spur-of-the-moment thing, that's all. I didn't even know her name for Well, how so. come Marna saw you snogging on the pavement? Oh, she said that, did she? Yeah. Snogging? Yeah. Yeah, and did she see my hand was over her mouth? Well, she was in a car. <laughs> exactly. Probably didn't see me drag her behind the wall either. She didn't say. Right. So? So? I didn't even get one kiss off this bird because I was bloody raping her. Oh. See? Really? I've never met her before. And I was out of there as soon as I'd done it. But I'm certainly not going to see her again, am I? Promise. Oh, come on. What am I, a nut? Just raped her and then left. Of course. Nothing more. Nothing more. Poor Simon. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. All right.
for three days now. You can't stay under there forever, you know. Hmm? Go away. It's been about a year now. He spends uh, most of his time hiding under the furniture. He only comes out at night to feed. He steals from the cupboards and well, got you some food anyway. eats it off the floor. Will you eat off this dish today, please, Bob? The kitchen was covered in meat this morning. Technically, Mr. Foss has gone feral. Basically, it's a sort of extended sulk that can affect men in their middle years. Do you want me to clear your sand tray out? No, David. Unfinished. It's not that uncommon. Would you go away? I believe Jonathan Dimbleby's a long-term sufferer. And what's all that mess in the airing cupboard? It's a nest. Bloody hell, You don't know. Might have some eggs. Right. That's it. Had enough of this nonsense with you. It started with a disagreement over bathrooms. We'd had a new one built downstairs. And we both wanted it. In the end, we um, played a game of cards for it. And I won. And then Bob immediately said, I didn't know you were serious. That doesn't count. I didn't really mean to play cards for the bathroom. I can see you under there, Bob. You look terrible. 
go away. Face is all hairy. You I don't know you anymore, John. Bugger off. What I'm trying to do is to take Bob and Angela back to the root of their problem, the bathroom. Bob? Oh, he's here, is he? Would I could smell him? Bob, this has been going on for a very long time. Yes, and it's quite a simple issue. Bob, I'm sure you can reach an agreement. All right. You know very well that she got the downstairs bathroom by cheating. Bollocks, Bob, you lost fair and square. <laughs> Listen to a doctor. It's like arguing with an ape. Hang on, on Bob. Would you consider letting him have the downstairs bathroom half the time? No. See? Well, what about sharing? No. That would entirely ruin the point of having two bathrooms. See, Doctor? A stubborn bitch. You fuck off. Please, please. Sit in a dress. Oh, now, now, come on. Come fuck on, you, calm Bob. down. You're just a bad loser, please. I'm a bad loser. Yes, you fucked up, Jesse. Fuck it. Please. Fuck it. All right, all right. Fuck it. Let's just get downstairs, please. My concern is that if we let this continue, he'll go all the way and make a break for the wild. Case histories indicate that that would not be at all good. By that stage, they've usually gone naked and die of exposure, or like the seven or so cases last year, they'll get run over. I think Angela basically married Bob to destroy him, and subconsciously Bob married Angela to destroy himself. Well, I can go on like this for years. Well, I quite like it, actually. Don't have to bother with people. And there's quite a lot of us doing it. I've contacted about a hundred on the internet. Uh, we exchange ideas and tactics. Yes, I'm going to get one of Angela's friends pregnant. Yes, uh, Antonia, I think. Mm. Yes, I'll sort her out. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll see. Oh, yes. Yes, then we'll see what happens if you take my bathroom away. Themselves now. 
mist had come in through the window, diffusing the grey light of no particular time of day. I was lying on the floor. I'd been there long enough to stiffen. Some of the time I'd been unconscious. The rest I'd just been getting colder. It was my mother's house. I'd gone back to stay there. I do that when I'm at the bottom of a low, but I shouldn't particularly when the house is not actually my mother's, but just a derelict one that feels a bit like it. Towards the end, she had no windows either. This one also had broken doors and only some of its floors. I'd started this low by hanging around the bars of theme pubs, conspicuously dosing myself with Rohypnol and waiting for someone to drug rape me. I'd scored it on credit off a minicab driver, who though himself a successful rapist, was foolish enough to trust me because of my accent. Of course I had no real proof it was Rohypnol, but whatever it was was wearing off now, and I was checking to see if anyone had pleasured me in the last 24 hours, and then there was a knock on the main plank across the front door. I pushed my head through a broken pane in Mother's front sitting room. A young cyclist stared back at me with a smug grin and a silver envelope. It's an invitation to Susie's wedding, he said. I told him she had a pretty odd way of accepting a proposal. He laughed one ha. I told him how Susie had kissed me and how shortly afterwards I had proposed to her in a letter enclosed in a sea bass. She hadn't replied exactly, but she had thrown it into the sea, which was perhaps a posh way of saying yes. He looked dubious. The posh do things differently, I said. He suggested that perhaps I open the envelope. Inside was an invitation, an illegible copper plate, a red card in quilted silk with a pair of alloy lovebirds canoodling in the centre, and a handwritten note that said, Come at once, I must talk to you at once, Susie, kiss. Susie's house was a bustle of caviar and champagne, and about a dozen female strangers with familiar faces. She kissed me all over the place, gushed, you know everyone, of course, and left me facing a wall. I stayed that way because it felt safe. I could hear her bustling around, dizzily issuing, we musts, and fetching congratulations. We always knew it would be him, they said. It's because she understands me, I thought. Susie's voice swept over my shoulder. And you, my darling, will give me away. She squeezed me through my trousers. I turned towards the noise. She looked suddenly intense. You know how much I love Daddy, and now he's dead. Well, I needed someone special, and I wondered if perhaps it could be you. Then she added, 
and you are by far the oldest looking of my friends. She smiled again, and her eyes done as sexy. So are you marrying me? I said. Sort of. Shouldn't I have given you a ring? She looked kinder now than a village baker lady, and kissed me softly on the forehead. You'll be standing right next to me, she said. It's just standing up in front of people for a while. As she receded, and I renewed my congress with the wall, the room around me hummed and crackled with talk of men. In particular, a man called William. And a broken memory surfaced like a puff of something half gone and awful. A crass, beaming face. Too much nodding. Susie laughing, nudging me and saying, Sometimes you should laugh like William. And slowly, without knowing why, I began to feel about as sad as it is possible to feel while staring at a wall in a room full of women. Three or four times in the next six months, Susie had me round for a feed. People were unusually nice to me, especially William, who having materialized, looked older than the face in the memory, but still boomed at me excitedly and slapped my back whenever possible. Otherwise, life continued in the usual blur of frowns, doctors, lying down, and people saying, get the fuck out of my garden. And then suddenly we were all in a church surrounded by fields. I was stood next to Susie and William, behind us a stew of faces. At the altar were two priests, both in informal robes like kimonos. Both were thin, and both, I learned later, had AIDS. Julius was gay. Crispin had an unlucky transfusion. Later still, I found out it wasn't unlucky at all. He'd deliberately taken on contaminated blood because he believed that underneath he was intrinsically a promiscuous homosexual and felt guilty he'd never had the nerve to do anything about it. Both priests looked similar, but you could tell them apart because all the girls loved Julius. To begin with, Julius did most of the talking, almost chatting and smiling frequently in our direction. I couldn't hear all the words above the drumming that generally bothers me on large occasions, but whenever he raised his voice, I felt obliged to say, not bad, thanks, how about you? He smiled kindly when I did this. When Crispin took over, he turned his attention increasingly to Susie and William and became more solemn and started holding their hands. At one point, I heard him say, let him now speak or forever hold his peace. There was a silence. Susie winked at me. William smiled. And a little git of panic broke onto my diaphragm. Who gives this woman to this man, said Crispin. Susie looked at me again. I looked at Crispin, at William, and a man next to him holding a ring. And I began to see with the clarity of cold gin where this one was going. I said nothing. Who gives this woman to this man, Crispin said again. I knew what I had to say. But the only way I could think of saying, I do, was to say, fucked if, first. I just stared back at them, trapping the response in my mouth so tight my lips ached. So Susie jabbed me in the cummerbund, which made me say, Wadi. It was good enough for them. They continued. I didn't want that. I made a longer noise. 
Crispin stopped. I made it again and slapped my face to add importance. He looked worried. Is there a problem? he whispered. The stained glass behind him, which included at Suzy's insistence a panel featuring the rolling stones as five of the twelve apostles, began to rotate and was joined by the nave and transept. I heard my voice saying yes and I agreed with it. His eyes widened. I have a problem with this marriage, I blurted. What? said the priest. William's face flared a gale warning, and Susie looked appalled, but was unable to suppress a slight wiggle. The problem, I seem to be saying, is William. At the back, someone cheered. Relatives gasped in disbelief. William gave a warning grunt, and I remembered everything. I remembered young versions of William and myself, and four others who escorted Susie. I remembered how people called us her brood, how she had always confided that of the six, it was me whom she had genuinely earmarked for marriage. How sometime during all of this, I'd flown off the thread and collapsed too far even to realize how far I had collapsed. So here I was, staring at William, the dullard, the dependable, whose moderate fortune now stood him proudly above all his time-debauched peers, and who, most importantly of all, would be far too loyal to suspect Susie's affairs. What is your objection? Crispin was saying. I pointed at William. He is a tit, I said. Silence. Three or four male laughs immediately stifled by female glares. One female laugh unrestrained. Objections. A priest whispering, fuck. Rough hands tight round my biceps, under my arms, my knees. Sudden jagged daylight, lying on my back, and four angry male faces dark against the sun. One of them I recognise as William's brother, all of them ranting about smashing my head in. Then three girls joining in and saying, no, no, he needs help. And eventually all of them compromising on beating me up with drugs. I remember nothing of the reception. Apparently I was swaddled in Egyptian cotton in a bedroom upstairs. Apparently William came up to say no hard feelings and I tried to push him out of the window. And Susie herself told me later that her grandmother had paid me a kindly visit and I had told her how Susie and Imogen had once used bacon to make Granny's Doberman lick their vaginas.
I'm getting hard, uh, very big and hard in my shorts. Yes. Ah, oh, I've come on my knee. All right, bye. Uh, sorry about that, there's, uh, there's quite a good reason for it. Um, now, let's have a look. Just lift up your arm. Yes. Glands up there are really quite swollen. Um, any other symptoms? I must admit, I've oh, been getting... Hello? Yes. I'm gliding my fist over the bulging purple head and sticking my finger up my arse and exploding in a shower of sticky cum. Okay, bye. Doctor, uh... I'm sorry, I haven't got much choice. What do you mean? Well, we're quite short of cash at the health centre and we've found this is actually quite an efficient way of raising practice funds. Oh? Now, we'd better have a look at you. That's quite a nasty swollen gland. Uh, strip down to your pants and pop onto the couch. Oh, I'm very sorry about this. I, um, I'll, I'll put the headset on so I can carry on with you. Hello? Uh, hang on a sec. Right, just roll onto your side. Yes. Yet I'm staring down at my very hard prick. It's a fucking massive bulb. Doctor. Uh, won't be long, I'll be with you in a tick. I'm pushing into the soft warmth of your mouth and I'm coming down your throat. Doctor, please. I... Not at all. Uh, goodbye. 
Right, well, you don't seem to have any other inflammation. We'd better have you checked for glandular fever, uh, just in case. But I wouldn't worry. Right. Um, Doctor. Yes? It, is that really the only way you can raise money? Well, there probably are others, but we haven't come up with a better one so far. Well, can I ask you what you're raising the money for? Oh, it's just some sex toys to help the staff here relax. What? Well, it seems to work pretty well. I'll see you again when we've got the results, OK? Uh, sex toys, Doctor. Yeah. I know. Unbelievable, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? We lived in Arizona, and the skies always had little fluffy clouds, and they were long, clear, there were lots of stars at night, and when it would rain, they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact, uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire, the clouds would catch the colors everywhere, that's it neat, because I used to look at them all the time when I was little, you don't see that.
of the mood forecast, I'm going to jazz your bum with these consumer essentials, guaranteed to stay in vogue for at least 20 days from the date of broadcast. Pelvis extractors. Yes, I'm afraid, gone are the days when it was cool to wear two-foot silver bars through the side of your pelvis. Now the truly cognoscandi say you're better off with no pelvis at all. Pelvis extractors have two speeds. High setting knocks it out in one enormous blow, but requires standby supplies of boiling tar, while the slow version pulverizes the bone with ultrasound. Watch out, it can pollard your femurs. Femurs, femurs, femurs. Olive filters and wash rinse. For retrieving your expensive deli olives from the puke jet of drugged up supermodels as they rush to be the first to chunder up your bathroom. Leave the filters strewn about and pop up a sign saying, Ladies, please filter the olives out of your sick. Unchewed and undigested, the olives can really thrive in a cheeky putanesca, or as I call it, pukanesca sauce. <laughs> Eritrean panic poems. You know about these, each one like a kind of teret's haiku, but use them carefully. One guy I knew poemed himself off a balcony. Balcony, balcony. Mournful comments at dinner. Lots of dead baby stuff, still really de rigueur among the M.O. Freud set. Makes the chicks cry, which is seldom less than horny. But personally, I find that lot a bit near the mark, especially since their parties usually include the sons of murderers and a couple of career abortionists. Check out the streets of London at 3 a.m. And that's where you will find the after-dark moon gibbons of cool, swooning to the beats of sharp sand patio, courtesy of DJ Flippin' Liar at the Nunnery of Noise. Whack yourself down there immediately and expect Johnny Depp and co. to swing by any time with their pants full of sewage and trombones up their noses. And finally, cannon dogs. Beautiful little animals for the minerally urban. Vegetarian, meticulously clean, and they don't need walking. Just fire them around the place occasionally with a compressed air mortar, and they run obediently back, 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 back. These and only these will do. Anything else you own must be trashed, trashed, trashed. Or else, honey, you are in fashion Alaska.
Dove on the balcony there, and um, well, it's gone now. But, um, oh, yes, I mm. can't see anything there. No, no, no well, it, it's gone now, and it was. Uh, it's quite a pity you didn't see it because um, mm. um, it's a bit squint, um, Oh dear. Will I um, sit down again? Yes, yeah. be with you shortly. last had it? No. Mm. Have you looked in the kitchen? Um, no. Mm, right, so I see. Well, try the kitchen, sir, or the bathroom. No, kitchen or bathroom? Mm. We often put our wallets down in a silly place last thing at night. Mm. Right. Probably on one of the surfaces. Good. Thanks. Okay, sir. Um, how much? Oh, that'll be £45, please, sir. Um, could you put that on my account? Please? Of course. Right. Thanks very much. Not at all. Um, help yourself to a button on your way out. Oh, 
Right, thank you. Might come in handy on a jacket or a shirt. Yeah, yes, indeed. Well, goodbye, that's it. Good yeah. luck. Yes, goodbye. Bye, Mr. Fenton. Yes. Um, did you any chance see the, the, the um, dove again?
We have been together for five years now. We are lesbians, but I think people accept us. I think we're the only people who do have a problem with it. I find the sort of things we have to do really quite horrible. Another woman in the breasts. Let alone all down in the zips. I mean, we certainly wouldn't do it if we weren't lesbians. God, no. his little monkey how to help out with the chores. Together they sanded the woodwork and painted all the windows and doors. They stained the wood in the bedroom and laid a new tile in the hall. Then the monkey tried all by himself to put paper on the wall. There was nobody home to help him, so he thought up his own little trick. He didn't know what he was doing or how to make the wallpaper stick. Instead of using paste, he stuck it up with monkey spit. Now the house smells like bananas, wherever paper's hung in it. Monkey wallpaper's entire home. see the faces of a funeral congregation and they gawp cause tis your mother's coffin that you've been serenading. Oh, 
Trang und Sabers in 